X-ray. Uh, it's a newer hop uh, out of Germany, and it gives you a little bit of that fruitiness. Uh, I'd always describe it just, just a little bit like honeydew melon flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's no melon in there right. because that would not would not be uh, mm. according to the Reinheitsgebot. It's the Beervana Show, broadcast almost live in Portland on X-Ray FM and available anywhere on your favorite podcast service. I'm Patrick Emerson, professor of economics at Oregon State University, and with me as always is Jeff Allworth, author of several books, including The Beer Bible. You dropped the second edition. I did, because you kept complaining it wasn't recent, so <laughs> I, I changed the language. All right. Uh, today we have a fun episode planned. We're in a strategic tract of North Portland at the headquarters of Portland's Rosenstadt Brewery. We are indeed. And in fact, we're sitting here unusually uh, with the folks that we're going to interview. So uh, welcome, guys. Joining us at the top of the show. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Hi. (laughs) Tobias. Hi there, this is Nick. So Tobias Hahn and Nick Greiner, uh, founders of the brewery. Uh, are here with us, and they're going to tell us about their unusual approach to the business, what it's like to focus on German beer in the American Northwest. Not so strange anymore, but uh, for a while they were pioneers. And, oh gosh, yeah. how, how, okay, here we go, uh, Gemütlichkeit. Gemütlichkeit. Ah, okay, very good. <laughs> Fits into all this. All that soon, but first, the news. Uh, an increasing number of articles are documenting closures of independent tap rooms, including here in Portland. Last month, the Northeast Outpost of Imperial Bottle Shop called it quits, leading to a piece about tap rooms' troubles in the local Alt Weekly Willamette Week. Josh Bernstein also reported on a similar phenomenon in the New York Times. The culprits, according to these articles, are proliferating brewery tap rooms. I saw I saw this in the New York Times. Yeah, I wasn't so sure. I know. I'm a little bit. I'm I'm, I'm questioning it but, too. But but it is true that tap rooms are becoming. Quite popular, and brewery tap lift, rooms, brewery tap rooms, yes, uh, and pr- proliferating. But I can't imagine they're so prolific that they're pushing out too many independent tap rooms. I would suspect that COVID was more. I wondered about that too. <laughs> I, I thought that was more a, obvious a solution in search of a, a, a phenomenon. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think COVID had a lot to do with that, and then of course it depends on where you are. In what Oregon, you can have two satellite tap rooms per brewery so it's not like that a brewery can open 15 right uh, all over the place anyways so i'm not yeah I, i'm not that sure that it, that that is really a serious uh, uh, competition for independent tap rooms and it's a different clientele if you go to a brewery i want to sample all their beers if i go to a tap room i have the choice between 15 20 different breweries so yeah, right? yeah different a, different, a different experience for sure uh, in a follow-up to an item we mentioned in the last show, there is a verdict out in the great Stone versus Keystone Light trademark infringement case. I didn't know the verdict was out. Oh, yeah. This is news to me, too. Stone <laughs> won. And a San Diego jury awarded them $56 million in damages. That sounds like good news for Stone, although it was far short of the $216 million they were seeking. Yeah. I suppose they're not too upset, but... Right. I mean, winning is better than losing. Uh, you were pessimistic about their chances last time. <laughs> I really was pessimistic. I know. It happened like right after we recorded that, and I thought, of course. I, uh, I think uh, you referenced the fact that they've been using that for a long time or something, and uh, I can't remember what you said, but you were wrong. I was wrong. So uh, my, and my predictive capacities are accurate, this ends as always. The, this in, ends in the Jeff Allworth <laughs> uh, Talks Law podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that one's got to get shut down. We'll stick to beer from now on. Well... Again, you get what you pay for, which is, which is why lawyers cost more than I do. <laughs> All right, in the last item, we have a little Portland news, uh, which we're breaking, sort of, except by the time this plays, it will already be old news, but, but it actually came out today. Uh, Living House Brewing will take over the possibly cursed location previously occupied by the Commons and Modern Times. For those of you in Portland, that's the one that's on the east side of the Burnside, uh, Morrison Bridge at 7th and Morrison, or Belmont. Um, co-founders and experienced brewers Matt Sandoval and Conrad, Conrad Ad, Andrus plan to focus on loggers. Sorry, guys. Everybody, everybody's doing loggers now. That's right. Yeah. And their third partner, Freem's former head brewer Gavin Lord, will conduct contract brewing uh, when the 15-barrel brew house is free. So 
That's actually possibly good news, bad news for you guys. We can talk about that a little bit later. Uh, <laughs> yes. That's living house with the house as H A U umlaut S. That's right. House. How do you feel about uh, how do you feel about all these <laughs> umlauts? I'm not a big fan. <laughs> You're asking me, but oh, this, maybe the this is figure. a little bit of a group <laughs> of a pet peeve of mine. Right? <laughs> <laughs> all these gratuities is um, gratuitous umlauts. They're not necessary unless they're really necessary. <laughs> And just because, they, uh, yeah. that's my, my personal opinion. I think people put umlauts all over the place just because it sounds yeah. cool. Yeah, they want to make it cool. Do we blame it on Motorhead? Do we blame it on Motley Crue? Yeah, yeah exactly. I don't, <laughs> that, I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> Actually, in this I think case, Motley Crue used two of them. Right? I think they, they really do. Motorhead. They 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 they, claim, they 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 promise to have thrash metal playing. So I think okay. it's definitely right. like well, a there you, little, yeah. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, okay. let's turn. Let's turn to these guys and start talking about Rosenstock. That's right. And I forgot. To but write. you didn't use an umlaut in Rosenstock, so I'm disappointed. It doesn't need one. Uh, yeah, oh, the O would be good. Yeah. yeah. Really drive home that. Yeah. <laughs> Germanic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did not write an in, uh, introduction, so we're gonna wing it here. Um, you guys have been making beer in Portland for. I'm gonna get seven, seven years. years in August. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nailed it. Uh, and you kind of flew, flew under the radar for the first few years, uh, making the whole time you've made kind of uh, delicate, classic, traditional German-style beers. Um, you started you started brewing when no one knew what Hellas was, uh, and you have kind of toiled along as the space has gotten more and more crowded with people making lagers, and especially German-style lagers. So. Um, we thought it would be great to come in and talk to you about your background, how, how this all worked, because partly uh, one of the things that's interesting, as, as you, at least you know, Tobias, on the show, we like to get the uh, kind of business side, and you have a slightly unusual business structure, which I think it'll be fun to hear a little bit about down the road. Um, sure. But why don't we start uh, hearing a little bit of your back, your personal backgrounds and how you two came to start Rosenstaff. Oh, and actually, let's start out with the name. Before we before we even go uh, there, what's, well, tell us about the name. Rosenstadt is Rose City in German. There you go. <laughs> That's the easy, easy explanation where, yeah, we wanted to have something that uh, is a, gives you a sense of place. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, but also, uh, obviously, uh, the, the, uh, shows that we are Germanic, basically. So that was the idea. And yeah, as for how we, we, we got to this, so my background is I grew up in Germany, grew up in the Black Forest, um, and uh, moved to the United States a good 20 years ago now, I'm dating myself here. Um, and it actually, I came here for graduate school. I was uh, in uh, my degree in microbiology and immunology. Uh, came, it was actually just planned for a one year exchange. Um, like the program, I was actually moved to Tucson, Arizona, mm -hmm. uh, mid 90s. Um, like the program there, transferred to the University of Arizona. I got my degree eventually there, um, working in um, uh, virology uh, on HIV, actually. And when I moved there, um, I couldn't find the beer I like to drink, <laughs> basically. So if you can't find what you want, what you like, you start making it yourself. And uh, with the lab experience of microbiology, jump over to, to, to the brewing side is not all that far. Mm -hmm. uh, so I started home brewing, did that for years and years and years. Um, and then I moved, my whole lab actually relocated to Portland. I was working at the Providence Cancer Center. At that point, I was working in immunotherapy of cancer. Did more home brewing and all that. Um, and uh, at some point, I was, uh, uh, to some extent, burned out with the lab research part and then also we ran out of grant funding so my position was eliminated mm. at the time I had little kids so I said well I'll take care of the kids and figure out what we're going to do well, until they go to school or something and of course was even more homebrewing because I had a little more time on my hands uh, and then during that time also um, I had my kids in German at the German American Society in German classes and that's why I ran into Nick Reiner um, and uh, you take over from there. <laughs> sure, sure. So I'll do my story backwards, yeah. <laughs> just, just, to, just to confuse people. So yeah, uh, Tobias and I met at the German school. My wife is German mm. from Baden-Baden in the Black Forest, just a couple hours north from Freiburg. And uh, the first time, now I'm going way back, I'll go forward again, but the uh, first time I traveled to Germany was in the mid-90s. Um, 
when you have a German beer in a beer garden, it's really something else. It made a big impression on me. Uh, the first homebrew kit I had was actually my wife's. Uh, she studied, has a degree in uh, food science. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, with, uh, studied with uh, Shellhammer. Nice. From Oregon State. So uh, it's, it's kind of like Homer Simpson giving March a bowling ball. That's his Homer. On. <laughs> <laughs> it quickly became a hobby of mine. Uh, we moved to New York City. Uh, traveled to Germany time after time after time after time. Wound up in Oregon seven years later uh, with the plan of maybe having a restaurant or doing something entrepreneurial. Um, <clears throat> fast forward a few years later, lots of home brewing, different things, German class. An hour later after being introduced to each other, and we should have met years prior to right. that, <laughs> Tobias' wife, Melissa, was uh, our daughter's Pediatrician. pediatrician. My oh, wife Susan says, oh, you our pediatrician's husband. He's from wow. Germany. He makes beer, too. Uh, I'm busy. I don't have time right now for new friends. I've got to, I'm busy. i got stuff to do. So an hour later, uh, I was in the same situation where I'm working on weekends and um, taking care of the kids during the week at Steinbart's, of all places. Mm. And Toby walks in. Looking for yeast and stuff. I'm like, hey, German class dad, what's happening? <laughs> we just kind of got talking. And then a few weeks later, it's like, what are you going to do when the kids go back to school or when they go to school? Right? At that yeah. time, it was go to school, not back to school. <laughs> right. no. yeah. So we put our heads together, and for about a good solid 18 months, we, every other Tuesday, we would go, you know, swap houses. Uh, and, um, you know, as our kids would call it, play Beer Factory. Or, yeah, beer factory. Beer factory. We tried to figure out, like, okay, we've never <laughs> been professional brewers, we've never run a business before, but this is what we would like to do. Mm -hmm. Is there a bank? Oh, this is gonna take a lot of money. Is there a bank would loan us money? Probably not, since we don't really know what we're doing yet. But we have all this experience making beer at home, and and you know, love of the type of beer that we make, and this and that, and it just wound up that a friend. Co-worker at Steinbart's had a former uh, friend who was brewing out at Max's Brew Pub mm -hmm. out in Tigard. And in 2015, there were far fewer breweries in town than there are now. Mm -hmm. okay. So uh, Eric says, go talk to my friend Craig. Craig says, are you really, you really think we can make German beer on this type of brewing system? It's not designed for that. And I said, well, we'll give it a try. And if it doesn't work, we'll pay for it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, cheaper than buying a brewery. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we bought some kegs and um, we had a very steep learning curve the first few weeks and months and things like that. Um, the first Monday after, after we got our first batch of beer out of tank, we're like, oh, what do we do now? I guess make more beer. I guess we're going to make more beer. Which also means it's the, all these things that sort of snowball then. Kind of like, well, that means we need more kegs to put the beer in and so forth. But also, uh, yeah. oh, we have to go talk to people. <laughs> to buy those cakes. How are we going to? Well, I've got a bottle filler. Let's hand bottle some samples, write our name on the side, and this and that. And we just worked hard. And uh, I'm rambling now. So, But you knocked on doors. Knocked on doors. Restaurants. Yeah, restaurant bars. Every single yeah. thing. And uh, yeah, with, the, with, with the community, with everybody supporting mm -hmm. locally made things. Yeah. And yeah, the beer mongers. Products. So the first cake. Labor Day to the beer mongers. Ah. Very cool. And, and what beer was that? The Kolsch. Kolsch. Oh, yeah. Kolsch. That makes sense. That's yeah. probably easier to brew on a system that's not made yeah. for a brew in right. right. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. And then it was uh, Pizzeria Otto mm -hmm. in my neighborhood, who I could, do. at the time, I would deliver kegs on foot mm -hmm. while uh, my son was napping. Like two uh, blocks from the house. Two yeah. blocks from the house, yeah. Full disclosure there. Yeah. Uh, in my neighborhood for just, years ago, you were in, kept going. Um, you were in uh, Sonny's Pizza. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I think I might have even spotted you like in an old minivan delivering a corny keg or something. Does that sound about right? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> That's, about right. That's about when I then yep. you came on my radar. And uh, yeah, you do appear around it. There's a little Thai restaurant near my house called Padi where you, oh, you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. have a handle there. Or at you least you did before while, COVID. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Yeah, <laughs> no idea what's happening. We ran wheat beer for a couple of years. So yeah. just old fashioned like shoe leather and yep. yeah, mm -hmm. yep. That's excellent. Hope this works. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, I definitely want to uh, keep having the conversation. No, I was just about but yeah, to say the same we have thing. a we have like 17 beers here, and <laughs> we can't drink them all if we don't start now. So yep. uh, we should all we should crack one of these. And I'll, I'll leave it up to you, although I, I, I definitely want to uh, 
uh, try your Hellas, talk about your Hellas at some point. But maybe okay. the Kolsch, too, is also... I don't know where it all started. If it started yeah, with the so Kolsch. Yeah, so it started with the Kolsch. Go in order of release. Yeah. Which is, uh, which is still basically one of our flagships. Yeah. The Hellas and the Kolsch are basically our flagship here still. There you go. Uh, we started with that. And yes, because yep. it's uh, easier to brew on a system that we didn't know if we would even be able to handle anything what we wanted to do. So... Um, that's that's basically how this started out. So one of the things about uh, making beer from another country is if you're going to make a traditional beer from another country, you have to understand the tradition of the brewing stuff. Mm -hmm. And since you guys weren't brewers and didn't know this, how did you figure out how to make a traditional Kolsch? Like, you were familiar with them. You were both familiar with them having traveled to Germany. Right. Tasted them. But that doesn't get you all the way to what... To what we're drinking now um well it does to some extent i mean if you know beer really well and you also know the ingredients that should go in it uh, you can uh, with some ingenuity you can make it happen i mean that's, yeah. that's I, don't, I don't know yeah <laughs> did you did you talk to brewers though i guess that's um, part of it or did no, you no okay. no no i mean there was uh, uh yeah there was you knowing the beers really well we do know the tradition um, and then uh, uh, also from homebrew experience yeah. to some extent it's not like throw this together on a whim but right yeah uh, we brewed but, yeah. I don't know how many test batches of, yeah. of things um, and it, uh, and it was funny that, that was the year the uh, craft brewer conference was oh, yeah. too mm -hmm. and it was nice to be able to go to that mm -hmm. but uh, boy if we'd gone a year later it would have been we would have learned a lot more yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the one don't know what you don't know yeah the one little yeah, yeah. unusual exactly. thing about exactly. this culture is uh, it has a hop in it called Hillmelon, mm -hmm. which is one of the newer hops coming out of Germany because even Germany now has a hop research center. Mm -hmm. right. uh, and they're breeding uh, quite a, a bit new varieties. And that was actually one of the first ones that came out of there. And it's called Hillmelon because Hull is the town in Bavaria where the place is. Ah. Um, uh, it's basically similar to what OSU does here mm -hmm. um, with the hop research center. Yeah. And uh, so it's called Hillmelon. And, and it does have an umlaut. This no. one does have an umla. That's coming from umla. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> my wife always says, "Kind of like I can't hear the difference between a word with umla or without it." But kind of, no, it's important. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's a little unusual hop. Uh, it's a newer hop uh, out mm -hmm. of Germany, and it gives it a little bit of that fruitiness. Uh, I'd always describe it just, just a little bit like honeydew melon flavor. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, there's no melon in there right. because that would not, would not be uh, mm. according to the Reinheitsgebot. Mm -hmm. But it does give you that little. Little hint of, of that fruity fruitiness, little lemon, lemonish. Yeah, it seems like you guys prefer a uh, a hoppier, drier palate. I've noticed this across mm -hmm. your beers, mm -hmm. which you know people think of Germany as having a fairly uh, like locked in style. But but even if we start out in Cologne, oh. there's there's Reisdorf has almost no hops, right. and then Goffel and some, somebody else has quite a few hops, so there's there's variation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even, I mean that's in, in that sense, Kolsch in, in Cologne is a good example where it's all the same beer, really, mm -hmm. yet there's, what, 14, diff 12, 14 different breweries, and if you sample the, if you sample all of them, you go through the gamut of, of, of completely, not complete, but quite a flavor range there, although yeah. it's the same beer. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and this one is especially uh, stiffly hopped and nice mm -hmm. and dry. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's appropriate for Northwest, but was it also just your preference? Yeah. Pre preference, yes. and, then, and then also uh, as a way to um, kind of set ourselves apart a little bit right. from some of the beers that are out there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we wouldn't be doing this without Heater Allen mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. paving the way for everyone. For a long, long time ago. For a long time, <laughs> uh, when Double Mountains Kolsch came yeah. out. Mm -hmm. That was that's still a fantastic yeah. beer, yeah. Um, but yeah, we were like, well, how do we adapt this for the Oregon palate? How do we make something interesting and fun? Could we use these new hops that no one ever used before? Taking back to the comment about the Brewers Conference, we were like, wait, we need contracts. <laughs> <laughs> we contract. can't get this hop because it's all gone. We won't be able to start a company yeah. till next year. Right. Oh no! <laughs> wow. But at the end of the day, I mean, this is really, as I said, when when because that's how I started brewing because I couldn't find the beers that I wanted to drink. As I mm -hmm. said. I was dropped into Arizona in the middle of 90s where there was one brew pub that made typical 90s brew pub fare uh, if it comes to the beers, which was better than 
a lot of macro lager beers that were around that you could find everywhere, but it was nothing to write home about. And so, yeah, that's why I started brewing. So that's why we're making the beers that we like to drink. And this is what we like to drink. So Right. And there are definitely, uh, you know, we, we've alluded to it in Portland. There's breweries that have a German identity uh, or a lager identity. But you guys are actually more committed to that. You don't make an IPA. You know, do you, not. Don't, you yeah. don't make a hazy IPA. Nope. You don't make a, a smoothie sour. You make, like we have in front of us lined up, um, the Kolsch, which is drank, your Helles, a Vienna lager, a Bach, uh, the German style pale ale, which is your one kind it's of sexy, racy, where you put a, counter. a toe into the yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, a short spear, uh, another box out of dark. That's a dark. That's a dark yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can tell from the color of the label. See, oh, color <laughs> box. There we are. Yeah, like I couldn't see it. Um, Italian style pilsner uh, and an alt beer, and I know you guys have dabbled in a bunch of other yeah. other German uh, yeah, styles we, as well. Yeah, there's a couple other beers that we don't package that are draft only, or that were sort of one-off beers that we don't have yeah. around at the we moment. Beer, so. We beer we do seasonal right yeah. now. There's some different things we've done for restaurants, like mm-hmm. Five Common and St. Jack. You do right. a fest beer in the, in the fall. Yeah, yeah obviously fest, fest beer. beer. Yeah. That season is over at the moment. Obviously, that's how can you not make a fest beer? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we make a fest beer. Uh, the vice beer we usually only make in the summer, mm-hmm. although we would love to have it around year-round, but, you know. Um, that's usually a summer seasonal, and then um, yeah, we had a couple beers that we tailored to certain restaurants. Smoked so, alt beer for People's Pig. Yeah, we made a smoked alt beer for right. People's Pig, the the barbecue restaurant. Uh, the Houblon um, is a French pilsner with French hops for mm-hmm. the Saint Jack restaurant group. Mm-hmm. How um, long have we been making that one? Oh, a couple of years now too. Five years yeah. or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of the. Yeah. I remember it a long time ago. It was, I think, the first version of that mm. style that I'd ever heard yeah. of, and I thought you guys were quirky and weird, and that that was not a thing. <laughs> and then, no. and then a bunch of other people are yeah. making it. So apparently, it's a thing. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this, the brewing piece, because contract brewing has a bad rep, uh, and part of that comes from the, all the different ways you can do it. Mm-hmm. There is one version in which you go to a brewery. And you say, I'd like a pale ale and an IPA and a porter. Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, we'll, we'll make a recipe for you and we'll deliver it. And you get your branding together and we'll put it in the cans and you'll be done. That's, that's not how you guys do No, it. it's basically <laughs> exactly the other way around. It's more in the sense that we have these recipes and all these beers we want to make. Can your brewers do it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as in your, our first, how we really get started, it was more like we had to convince the brewer actually to try it and do it and we made it happen basically and and we've now brewed on I think I counted it once like eight or nine different brew houses Mm. around Portland Um, and they're all different I mean nominally they always say oh it's a 15 barrel brew house of this and this make and design but even even then if they're more or less the same design each brew house they have a personality to some extent Mm -hmm. uh, where you have to you have to be there you have to actually do it to sort of get a feel uh, I guess it's sometimes when people ride motorcycles, where it's the same kind of thing. That although mm-hmm. it's the same motorcycle or not, or a car, but each has a little different personality. And yeah, no, it's it's really the other, almost the other way around. We kind of like, no, this is what we want to make. This is the recipe. Mm-hmm. Let's. If we have to adapt something, then it's more like we have to adapt it because because of the brew house, right? Not because not the other way around, kind of thing. So. Right. Yeah, and from the you know the initial batches of things that we had done, for scaling up from something that you've made. 10 or 15 times between your two backyards right, over right. the years uh, during the uh, gestation period for us. It's like, okay, now that we know how this works and it's 100% malt and the bitterness is about the same, even mm-hmm. though the flavors from the hops are different. Right. So as the seasoning to the water, it's been, it, the, uh, the scaling has been far more linear than we would have expected. Really? Yeah. Oh, I was going right, to ask you that. Yeah. Like some some things scale really easily, like the the, the malt basically scales right. very easily and, yeah. and linear almost. Um, obviously, each brew house efficiency is a little bit different, but that's easy to adjust. The hops is actually the bigger wild card, where it's yeah. mm-hmm. every brew house has a different hop extraction efficiency, where that's where there's a lot more sort of guesswork involved to some extent. I mean, yeah. not complete guesswork, but it's it's like cooking to some extent, where mm-hmm. where yeah, you know. Yeah, you should put this and this much in, but then in the end result, you have to taste it and see well, is it good enough, or is it is it what you wanted or not? Mm-hmm. And then you adjust, you iterate. I mean, that's basically what it, what it comes down to. Where 
uh, you can get really, really close, and then, but if you want to nail it, then you have to make a, bat, a couple batches to really dial it in to yeah. what you want. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's not like every brewery you worked on was the same. Some, no, some did not no. have the capacity for step mashes, right, and some did, right, and so yeah. you had to really tinker with that stuff. Yes. Uh, yeah, especially, sorry, especially, I mean, the extreme example is, is the one that we started on. It was like a old, like, 80s even? 1994. Okay, yeah. So mid-90s, early 90s, single vessel brew house that was made for a single infusion mash. Here you go. (laughs) And we wanted to do step mashes, and then we had to figure out how to do that on a system like that. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, if you wanted to, a a traditional German brew house is a, a, uh, where you have a mash tun that's usually uh, steam jacketed so you can ramp up temperatures fairly quickly in there then you have a dedicated a lot of time to do thing and then of course the boil kettle um, so you have at least a three vessel brew house uh, sometimes even a four vessel if you want to do decoctions and stuff but nobody around here has that mm-hmm. with the exception of Wayfinder <laughs> 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 um, but other than that uh, uh, yeah I mean usually you have at least a three vessel brew house which is hard to come by around here right um, there's not not impossible, but uh, but yeah, we had to do a lot of adapting and figuring out how how can we make this work for the styles of beer and the way we wanted to brew them. But yeah, all right, we got empty glasses. Yep, that's not, <laughs> not appropriate. Not acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, you poured these out. You have uh, an array of different style of glassware, and this oh, these yeah. are the traditional Stanga glasses from Cologne. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, which that means like. Rod or stick, is that right, or something like that? Uh, yeah, it basically just means yeah, rod, stick. So, so which pretty. is what they look like. Yeah. There's nothing really fancy to it. <laughs> but for this purpose, it's nice because it concentrates the aromas. And it gives you a really uh, good sense of the, the color. The yeah. color, because they're very yeah. narrow. So. How does that rank on your, uh, was it patented uh, oh, hazometer? Patent hazometer? <laughs> it's not, there a, sound it's, it's not a one. Yeah, it's not a one. It's maybe a three? Yeah, it's got a little bit of haze, so it's like it's like Keller beer. It's Keller beer. No, nah, right? Keller beer would be. But yeah, that's not. Keller beer. When I see a Keller, what, what what I would, would would count as a Keller beer, you would expect. Can you um, read through it? Yeah, <laughs> you can read through it. It's not a Keller beer anymore. Um, a Keller beer is would I would it's quite a bit of, of of hazy in there. Maybe not like a New England style hazy IPA, but uh, uh, half hazy beer kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it is true. They're they're hazier than this, but no, this is very bright. Um, I really, this is one of my the, the beers you make that I really enjoy, uh, and I've been surprised at how well you've managed to migrate it from brewery to brewery and continue to make it taste yeah, like a not easy. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is yeah, this is sort of the beer that I was one of my favorite beers too. Um, yeah. Really, the one reason why we started with the Kolsch was because we we had a brew house that. We weren't sure we would be able to handle this, and it was not just the brewers; also the tanks. Yeah, we had only a cert- we had only uni tanks available at the time, no lagering tanks or anything. So right. we didn't even attempt that. Basically, we just like, no, I don't think we can really make it. Mm-hmm. Um, the same reason why we don't really make a beer that we think would need a decoction because we don't have any way to do a decoction correctly so we're just not going to make that kind of beer mm-hmm. yeah um so so anyway so yeah th- uh, after a while then once we had the ability to do that that was uh, that really we wanted to get that get get that uh, uh share that with other people basically and but it took us a while to bring that out but now the coals and the hallows are basically our flagship mm-hmm. those two uh, yeah talk talk about this beer uh and we should talk a little bit about sort of your process and ingredients and, and, and selection, and I'm curious about your yeast in this one. So talk about this beer. Uh, so in all our beers, we use all German malt, except, of course, for the Italian Pilsner, which is Italian <laughs> malt, and the French Pilsner use the French malt. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so all, yeah, in French hops. So all German malt, uh, all German hops, with some minor exceptions, again, for the French Pilsner, um, which is French hops. Um, yeah, so that's that's the main thing. Uh, then, uh, 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 yeah, all the hops are German grown, and I mean, Hell is is, is a very it's a very simple beer. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you if yeah. it comes down to it, and um, ours might be a little on the hoppier side of things. Uh, the one hops that's in mm-hmm. there is, is the Tetnang hops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
um, out of my home state of Baden-Württemberg, which I'm fond of. Yeah. I like it. Um, I feel like, I feel may, like the, the, the Bavarians probably, I mean, if you have a, a Augustina, there's probably not Tatnang in there. <laughs> right. I like the Tatnang hops. I'm yeah. just kind of like, well, we use that one. You know, I feel like it's a little bit of a Portland thing, too. You, you see yeah. a lot of Tatnangers here because I think they're a little bit spritzier. They're a little bit, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. they're a little they bit They have singier. a little more spring in their step, if you will. They, yeah. they, they do tend, they give you a little bit of the spiciness. I mean, I, as far as I know, it's even related to SARS, I believe, genetically. And it does have a little bit of that, that not quite as as much, but does have that, that sort of SARS spiciness to it. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a hint yeah. of it. And I really like the way you get the a really nice, subtle, bready hmm. malt base on top of the, uh, underneath the hops. It's, yeah, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, how you... So you don't have a brew house, so you're not ordering a truck of malt. How do you how do you negotiate ingredients? You, so um, it sounds like you guys have contracts with things. Right. So, so we have we have uh, I mean we have hop contracts. I mean they're small fry if it comes to hop contracts, but um, but we, have, we we need to make sure that we have the hops available that we want to use because we don't have the luxury to be able to switch out a hop real quick because for something else because. Uh, it wouldn't work. Right. Uh, the other thing, of course, is I mean, this is where Portland is is really sort of in this Goldilocks uh, uh, spot where you know the hop fields are, what not even an hour down the road in one direction, and we have one of the biggest malt supplier or malt distribute distributors, two of, two of the biggest malt distributors or brewing ingredient distributors in general, just across the river in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So that is really easy actually around here, which makes it so much. I mean, I've talked to. Um, uh, my, my wife's family is from Arizona, so I lived there for a while. And she's from Arizona, and I uh, actually one of her high school friends opened a brewery down there, and they're in Arizona, and yeah, they get everything trucked in from from Los Angeles. Right. And I tell them it's kind of like, oh no, no, we can just go and buy whatever. <laughs> want. And they yeah. are in the situation you have to buy a truckload of it, and you have to, you know, all the other specialty malts where you only need a little bit, you have to buy them in advance and stuff. Right. And we can just you know call up. Up, up the road and they'll pick it up or they ship it down really easy in that sense that made it so much easier yeah. to start something like this than, yeah. than other places are you um, satisfied with continuing this way or do you have ambitions of having your own brewery yeah yes okay. uh, no, no uh, uh, <laughs> yes both. that was that was in the plan yes, on both. from right. way the beginning to uh-huh. to have our own brew house uh, and uh, out of necessity to some extent too because we want to make certain beers in a certain way you yeah. need to have certain equipment to do it which as I said earlier is sometimes hard to come by around here where people are where a lot of breweries are built to make single infusion beers mm-hmm. yeah um, so yes in that sense yes we, we would like to build our own brewery but it's oh yeah I don't have a rich uncle, right? <laughs> so you know there's, there's a certain amount, there's a certain volume that right. uh, you need to be selling, producing, and selling in order right, to, to make it really worth it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You want a Mercedes? Well, you've got to earn enough to pay for the car. You right. Know? Yeah, and yeah. it's it's you know, I guess you as an economist always say it's the economies of scale, mm-hmm. where if you start too small, you potentially outgrow it right away. Yet it's not easy to just you know oh let's rip the small brewers out and put a big one in. Right. That's not how this works. This is hard. You can't. So. Uh, if you want to do it right, you know, yeah. patience. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So with the, uh, go back to the ingredients, uh, mm-hmm. do you have that delivered to your brew, to mm-hmm. the brewery that you brew at? Is that how that works? And then do you have to negotiate that with that brewery? Like, these are, no, seems either, like complex we, relationships. We either have it delivered or we can, uh, on some certain things, we'll just fill up the van. Yeah. Put a, you can put a couple pallets in a, in a van, no problem. Yeah. So you, do you, where do you store grain and hops then? <laughs> just in time. It's all just, just in more time or less delivery. just okay. not for the malt. Almost and the hops we keep with our uh, with our yeah. um, inventory in the cooler. Wow. Or, in, or, in, or, or in the supplier's cooler. Right, the supplier's cooler. So when you have a hop contract, uh, I mean, we contract uh, with Crosby, for instance. Uh, we have a certain amount of, of, of hops that we basically pre-bought, if you will, right. um, and then we can just order it when we need it yeah, from there. They have it sitting in their cooler yeah. until we need it. So. Mm-hmm. It seems like because you are working with breweries that also have their own production schedules mm-hmm. and their own timing, like I've talked to breweries just even negotiating 
their own production schedule and making sure their own ingredients mm-hmm. are on time and their own stuff with the, you know, the, the designer who's getting the new, all that stuff is really complex. You throw in a new brewery with that. Is that, how challenging is that? It is challenging. <laughs> it is challenging. Um, but it's also one of those things. I work for a design build company and did pro- um, project management mm-hmm. of building out retail spaces where you're co- coordinating parts from several different places, assembling it, sending it someone, hiring a work crew to go in and install it, and, and things like that. Being able to manage this is something that that experience prepared us for yeah you always when do you need it what do we need to do first all those sorts of things right so and it wasn't easy at first and it's still not easy now but what but like yes. juggling you, yeah you learn how to juggle yeah you, you learn how to juggle you yeah. don't forget <laughs> yeah riding a bike you yeah. don't forget it just it is, but yeah that's that's definitely the the, the <clears throat> challenge and the downside of doing it how we doing it that we are dependent on other breweries and their production schedule right and of course all the little snafus that happen in a brewery you know sure. things break all the time in breweries mm-hmm. and you know and but we all have to sort of roll with it and make the best of it and figure it out yeah. but that is definitely the, the the downside of it that we do not have complete control over everything mm-hmm. um, and it's just a matter of being flexible and yeah and, and yeah have the flexibility to roll with it basically right communicating openly yep. and yep. working with working with great people I assume the fact that you guys have had now, now had to work with so many different breweries makes it a little easier when you, like you you, you know the, you know how it's going to go mm-hmm. this time. So yep. like you went through this, so you can figure out. You could probably help the breweries you're working with uh, figure that out and make it go more smoothly. Time, time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the number of chicken little skies falling moments. <laughs> yeah. There were definitely some of those. There were definitely some of those. But, yeah, no, but, but you know you get through them. But it's we, yeah, uh, we, we, Portland we, Brewing closes doors. We had yeah. right. So one of your breweries, sixty was, days notice to yeah, was Portland Brewing. So they had a hundred barrel brew house. Is that right? Uh, hundred twenty. Hundred twenty. Uh, but they were able to do. We can we, we brew in half batches. Okay. The system, half so batches of eighty barrels. Of eighty, ba- 80 barrels. Yeah. Still a lot of beer. Right. But it was a beautiful brew house. Actually. Yeah. I love that thing. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 then you ended up with, uh, in terms of scale, that's fantastic because you then you have eighty eighty barrels of, of Hellas. You also have to sell 80 barrels of Hellas, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you also have to create that, create that demand. It took us a, yeah. a good year and a half of oh, yeah. just before we could push to make, make that jump. Hellas and Kolsch hard yeah. to make that jump. Yeah. That we could... Yeah. And, for, and for a little brewery, you've done a great job with that. You, you said earlier Thank that you're you. in some number of uh, Fred Meyers around mm-hmm. town, yep. uh, yeah, which is a big, like, it's really hard to get in front of the buyer there and get yourself on the shelves there. So that's, that's impressive. Yeah. So you that took some. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and the last thing you can do is if you get a job, you know, if you get if you get called up to Kroger, is not have any beer when they want beer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, but yeah, the Portland Brewhouse was first great. It was beautiful. It's actually a German-built brewhouse that they shipped over. When exactly? Also mid early nineties, I think. Yeah, I think mid nineties. Yeah. I was Came writing about beer uh, in late nineties. I think it just opened. Yeah. It, so. it was a beautiful copper brew house. The mm-hmm. the whole control panel, which half of it wasn't was actually reconfigured and all that, but. Uh, all the labels were still in German and all that. Would you like me sh- to show you how you yeah. operate yeah. your brew house? <laughs> <laughs> you know what that means? Because I know what that means. Yeah, uh, yeah and the, the, both the Kolsch and the Helles are really nice beers, clean. Uh, uh, the, the Kolsch particularly is dry and I think goes really well with food, so I imagine that restaurants is a really nice yeah. beer just to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They right. can push with them almost any food. And, right. yeah. yeah, that's another thing. Portland area restaurateurs I've gotten into, they realize lagers won't overwhelm their beer the way Right, yeah. Yeah, because they keep pushing the IPAs and you can't taste their food anymore, so. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jeff, what should we do next? I don't know. Well, um, I want to do the Vienna lager, so let's I'm do it. Override yeah, let's you. do it. I, sure. I, I, that was going to be, I was going to be my it. suggestion too. Uh, you are now in the facility occupied by Reverend Nat Sider, mm-hmm. and for people who don't know this, which is probably almost everybody, uh, Reverend Nat is a fanatic. He is he is the person I know more than anyone else on the planet who is a, a proponent of Vienna lager. 
So every time a new Vienna Lager comes out, uh, he texts me and where it's like, okay, we got to go do it. So when your beer came out, within, in, in fact, it was we went over to Olympia Provisions, which functions as sort of your tap room here in town on thirty uh, fourth uh, and Division. Thirty fourth and Division. Thank you. Southeast. So we popped in. They didn't even have them on can in cans yet. Uh, no, they're at that point, yeah, we were just canning it. But yeah. Yeah. So we we just had uh, a couple of pints of those, and, and uh, I I was incredibly impressed with this beer. It's um, it, we we were talking earlier. This is a beautiful beer. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Most. It's a bit of a weird style. In well, that it yeah. wasn't made, it hasn't been made in Vienna for the better part of a century. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, its descendants were made here in the United States, right. and you guys did not make a kind of a Mexican style no. Vienna lager or something like that. No. What, what, what was your approach here? Because I, um, I haven't heard the story, the backstory well, for this one. So tell us about it. Vienna. Yeah, the approach was really, I mean, we wanted to make a Vienna that we felt that how it was made in Vienna, what, over 100 years ago now, uh, by Ant Andrea, <laughs> pioneer by Ant Andrea. Um, and it was definitely, it's definitely different from the the, the, the Mexican descendants of the, the, the Vienna Lager. And then, by extension, I think a lot of American brewers, especially craft, craft brewers, then sort of took the Mexican version of a Vienna Lager as their inspiration to make theirs because there were so many times where somebody had a Vienna, I saw a Vienna Lager, and I said, oh, I'll try the Vienna Lager. And then it was always, a lot of times it was way too dark for me. And I thought, this yeah. is not a Vienna Lager. This is like some Which is amber. Sweet. Right. Which it, it wasn't, I mean, most of the time they were bad beers. That's not the point. But the, the point was that I don't think they're Vienna Lagers. So we were definitely were going back to, to what we felt were the roots of the Vienna Lager, where it's a, it's a much lighter beer what a lot of people think it is. Mm -hmm in color uh, definitely darker than a hellas or a pilsner yeah um uh, more like the color of a of a pale pale uh, czech lager right um more like yeah pilsner work well uh, uh, or, or budvar um it's a little more in that color range and also in in the hopping range i mean the the, the austrian hops or the, the the hops that the austrians used back then uh, were a lot of times the czech hops since Czech, what, what's now the Czech Republic was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, right. so yeah. you know, came all from there. Um, so in in this case too, here there, there's a, a good dose of sauce hops in there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I was uh, doing research for the last round of the beer bible, I went to the Schweckett Brewery where mm -hmm. Dreyer had made it, and they they had just started making their own Again, uh, revival. Right, revival, yeah. And um, Andreas Urban said they found a reference. An old reference to the color mm -hmm. said it should be like fire in the glass. Right. Which I always mm -hmm. thought, ah, no, that's yeah, it's a nice. That's, <laughs> that's a lovely, yeah, that's another illusion, and it's mm -hmm. appropriate for this as well. And, and to your point, it's not dark, right? It's right. not. It's not a dark fire. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, no, no, it's definitely not a dark beer, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was sort of a sleeper beer for us in the sense that we made it. I don't know when exactly. Uh, quite some time ago, we sort of because we make so we obviously we make our culture and hellos and, and all that, but then our oh, year round beers. But then we sort of make you know, kind of like, oh, we would like to make this one now. Let's say, let's try it and see mm -hmm. what how, right. how people like it and stuff. So we made a Vienna just because we wanted to make a Vienna. As I said, all the beers we make, it's the stuff we drink. Uh, so we made it and we got pretty good reception. And we kind of sort of, well, I guess we make another batch then. So we made another one, and then it sold fairly quickly too. And we kind of, well, I guess yeah. we keep making it. Yeah. And then it sort of became, and after it was always listed as a non-year-round beer, as a seasonal or one-off kind of thing. And yeah. then we sort of realized, kind of, like, oh, we've made this beer now for like six, eight months. Might as well call it a year-round at this <laughs> point. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only time we didn't make it was, uh, what, the first six months of oh, COVID? COVID, yeah, yeah, just yeah. everything was mm -hmm. up in the air at that point. Yeah, it really has that rich maltiness, but without being uh, uh, sweet or or thick. It's very crisp, and then the size hops on top is really delightful. Yeah. How? Uh, what's the malt bill? It's majority Vienna malt. Excellent. <laughs> Basically, yeah, um, it has that characteristic. And I toast. don't have in in my head right now with the percentages, yeah. but it's mm -hmm. it's. 60, 70, 80 percent Vienna malt. Nice. I'd say. With a touch of with, Pilsner, yeah, touch with of Munich. Domestic. Yeah. And a little bit of Karamanic three. Uh -huh. uh, that's the tiniest, yep. tiniest bit. But yeah. excellent. Yeah. We don't yeah, want to uh, get in the way of the, the character that of the Vienna malt brings yeah. to it. Yeah. 
we don't need to turn this podcast into Vienna loggers today, but um, one thing that, that, that was very bizarre is the early American craft, the Vienna loggers, uh, uniformly had no Vienna malt in them. <laughs> 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 there's that. There's that. Uh, so I'm glad to see that, that people are. are well, I mean, to that. If, if you think about it, that Vienna malt is called Vienna malt for a reason, and Munich malt is called Munich malt for a reason, where Antentrea in, in, in Vienna and, and uh, Sedlmeier in, in Munich, they came up with their own malt formulations, and that's why they're called that. So there is no reason to believe they didn't use it. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, when I was there, yep. uh, I, I got to steal logs. In the 19th century, right. they were brewing with 100% Vienna malt. So, right. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about, I've talked to you guys sort of about the romance side, because you didn't, you didn't come to this uh, entirely out of, uh, you know, just, we're going to sell a widget, and that'll be fun. You have a real romantic streak about you. And you guys were the ones who introduced me to this word, gemutlichkeit, <laughs> uh, which I, I was embarrassed oh, to say. Oh, the one I, uh, I struggled over. Yeah. <laughs> that is a mouthful, I agree. <laughs> I have to admit that. I, I, I should have known. The, 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 the person who writes the beer Bible should have known that word, and I did not know it. So you guys introduced, it, in, introduced me to it, and now I see it everywhere. And you mm-hmm. feel like more embarrassed about that. But talk about that experience that you guys had that kind of, created the spark of, of love for beer uh, that you related back to that concept. Yeah, Gemütlichkeit, it's, it's really one of those, it's, I think it's one of the, the, the next to Schadenfreude, it's one of those, those examples where really there isn't a good translation, in, there isn't a good word like that in English. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really just sort of describes the, 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 the feeling you have when you sit together in a, in a, in a nice English pub, for instance, mm-hmm. with, with your friends, your buddies, and you have a a nice pint of bitter or something like that and the, the, you talk and you kind of like catch up with people or you sit in a nice beer garden and, and mm-hmm. hang out basically all afternoon kind of like order just another beer another beer and you just sort of hang out and and or even just at home when you let's say you're in front of a fireplace with your family this is sort of that feeling where you feel good you, you have good food and drink mm-hmm. kind of thing this is sort relax. of what this describes relax, relax. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's a it's a big concept in Germany People, yes, it, people know what that word means if you talk mm-hmm. to them. Yes, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And, and, uh, uh, and it's, for me, it's sort of, having grown up in Germany, it's one of the things where, um, it, yeah, how do you describe it? You basically, you don't know when you miss it. You, you only right. know when, when it's not there. Then right, right. Realize it just because you sort of, it's sort of ingrained in you. I don't know how you experience that coming to Germany from, as an American, uh, I've heard you talk about it, so yeah. lay it on us, man. Uh, what do they say? Coziness. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the Irish version? A crake? Is that? Yeah. It's a. It's, it's just. just a, it's like it has a little bit of coziness to it. Yeah. It's, the the time around you stops. You're just in the moment. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. just taking it nice and easy. And uh, it, tell us some of your experiences because you came, you married a German, but you did not grow up with this beer, but you fell in love with it. Yeah, uh, well, <clears throat> the first time we, we traveled together in Europe, um, we went all over. We went, saw a couple of Rolling Stones comfort, concerts in different cities back in the 90s, made a day trip to Munich, saw some different family things and things like that. And um, just like you said, you know, you, you know it when you feel it. Yeah. You're, you're sitting down in a beer garden, you're waiting seven minutes to get a Pilsner. And you're waiting a half an hour after you finish your first one because that's how service works. Um, yeah, it's just it's yeah. just a thing. Yeah, I mean the beer so garden. Sometimes it's hard to put in words. Yeah, I mean the beer garden experience <coughs> in in Germany. It's really like you sit down and you either drink your beer out of the, the 500 ml, which is basically a pint, or the the mass, the, the mass. one liter yeah. liter liter uh, uh, mug. And the thing really is that, and people say, oh, this is so much beer. It's kind of like, well, I suppose it is. On the other hand, people go there full intention to stay there all afternoon. And this take, is what and you take do. their time. Yeah, you take your time. Mm-hmm. And you, you maybe order a little food and everybody. Or maybe you bring your own food. Yeah, in the beer garden, you can actually bring your own food. Just don't sit at a table with a tablecloth. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You Those are reserved for people purchasing. Yeah, you have a little food. You have your first liter of beer and it takes you however long it takes you mm-hmm. and then usually another round comes and you hang out and talk and, and, and things like that so it's not a 
it's not a rushed thing. I mean, you take really all afternoon, all day for that matter, if you will. But mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing. The Bavarians would not say no to that. Right. And and yeah, I mean, really, I I remember the, one of my favorite breweries and places in my hometown. It's really one of those hometown nostalgia things. It's a small brewery. I remember still when it was a, a bigger production brewery, which then closed down in the mid '80s, but then was revived as a truly as a house, what's called a house so really just a brew pub. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a tiny system. They only produce for their own restaurant in the beer garden. And it's like the beer garden, you know, gravel on the, on the ground, chestnut, mm-hmm. really big chestnut trees, mm-hmm. and they serve one kind of beer. That's it. And uh, uh, Inselhof. Yep, Inselhof. That's what you order, and you hang out there all afternoon. And I remember as a, as, a, as a child that that's what people did. You, you know, people... It, some people go to church on a Sunday and after church service and stuff, you you, you know, the whole family trudges to the beer garden. There's probably a band playing, maybe not. And you just have lunch there, basically. And everybody comes there from all walks of life. It doesn't right. matter if you're a, a, a highfalutin lawyer or a doctor or a, I don't know, the, 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 the person who, who, who collects the garbage. It does not matter at that point. You all sit together, not on the same table necessarily, but in the beer garden, have a good right. time. And you probably stay there all afternoon, kind of thing. Yeah, I think a beautiful day in a beer garden. If you can't, if you don't fall in love with German beer and German beer culture, there's something wrong with you. Cause it's just, <laughs> yeah, it is pretty unique. One of the one of the fun things during the beer factory, uh, playing beer factory stage of us was on a trip that my family made. Was actually made it down to Freiburg hmm. and went to the Feierling, and it was as as advertised. It was just a great day. Mm-hmm. Right in the middle of town, trees, yep. you can ride in the corner, and there you are. Yeah, and the brewery's on one side of the street, and the beer garden's mm-hmm. on the other. You actually have a pipeline under the street. <laughs> 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 no, no, really. Nice. I believe it. Uh, Delightful. So let's talk a little bit about the future. You you know, you could uh, have your own uh, pub. That would be a less expensive thing. Or do you guys have, what do you, do you have plan? What, what's the what's the phase, the phasing look like? Uh, <laughs> also planned. <laughs> COVID, of course, put a huge damper in all of this. Uh, uh, We, when COVID hit, when everything shut down, um, we were were draft only, which of course, it literally meant for us that when everything, all restaurants, everything, stores, everything shut down basically, well, stores didn't matter to us because we didn't have anything in package anyway. (laughs) Uh, When all restaurants shut down, um, that we really, from one day to the the next, we had no revenue. that's right. I it wasn't just oh reduced. That. It was like none. because no. yeah. <laughs> you were only draft. We were draft only at that point. Mm-hmm. So uh, and no brewery that you could tell invite people to come sell right. your beer out of right. even in Crowlers or something. Exactly. So um, so that was of course uh, was hard to dig. It was tricky to dig out of that one, um, and that put up a huge damper on that. And, uh, However, two years prior to that, we had started on. Packaging project. Uh-huh. So within a month of the shutdown, we were bottling our first run of Hellas Lager over Portland Brewing. Yeah. Everyone asked us how we did it so quickly. Because <laughs> it was in the works. We started two years ago. It was already in the works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They only saw the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. So yeah, that put so a huge damper on that. Uh, it's definitely be, this is one thing we one of the big projects we still have to have to accomplish to start our own pub and beer garden yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in addition to a brewing facility but uh, the pub and beer garden is probably going to be first i feel um, i feel like ever since you guys told me about Gemutlikai and talked about some of the you know when you're sitting around like we were drinking beer you start telling stories about other times you sat around and drank beer and it and it made me think that this is the kind of beer that really would be wonderful to have that by the half liter or a liter mm-hmm. in a nice yeah. environment where you can just sit and enjoy it so i'm I keep waiting for you guys to get to that. So we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you get your beer gun, you have to have the master. That's right. Uh, we will. Right. Yeah. We, we take your glassware seriously. Yeah. We do take your glassware seriously. We we do like our glassware. Uh, we yeah. Bla- it's, it, sometimes I feel it's like you know the wine people, they have it figured out forever and. No self-respecting sommelier in a nice restaurant would would would, would sell or, or pour their wine in a crappy glass. Yet in beer, it's people yeah. are like, ah. And listen to this sound. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a six hundred fifty-one gram and it's not by that, weight empty beer mug. Yeah. And it's not that you need yeah. specialty glassware for every beer style. That's not the point. But you need to have sort of a basic set of nice glassware that feels good in your hand and 
enhances the the experience, the 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 the, the, yeah, the flavor even sometimes of that beer. Yeah, we drink with all our uh, all our senses. So right. you know, like right now, I'm looking at this Schwarz beer, which we pointed poured out when uh, when no one was paying attention. And in these Stanga glasses, man, oh man, you can really see the color, and it is just gorgeous. It's yeah. just clear as a bell, and uh, it looks black if you look through the mm -hmm. fat side. But if you look down at the bottom, you see all these like deep amber highlights. Right. It's kind of really gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Good glassware. It allows you to see it and right. then, uh, appreciate it. So it's an important piece of that whole thing. Well, we, we should probably uh, wrap this up pretty soon. Patrick, do you have any other questions? Uh, I don't have a question, but I have a comment, which is, and I see on the short spare that this beer has uh, won medal. You guys have done pretty well. Oh, yeah, that's right. We should we should do a little business here. You oh, guys yeah. should start banging your drum. <laughs> yeah, it's not just good. us saying you have good beer. The Schwarzbier, yeah, the Schwarzbier got a medal at the OBA a couple years ago. 2018. Yeah. So did the Alt beer? We actually won the gold medal with the Alt beer. Nice. Back in 2017. Yeah, a long ago. Um, and then the Hellas one, the Best of Craft, a couple years ago. And this week we learned. Oh, just this week, yeah. Just we entered, yesterday. Uh, <laughs> we entered uh, multiple beers in the uh, New York International Beer Competition, and this year. Our score sheet reads like this, 95 points, gold medal, auto Italian style Pilsner, 93 points, silver medal, Hellerbach, 92 points, silver medal, Hellas Lager, 91 point bronze, Kolsch, 90 point bronze for alt beer. We were also awarded Oregon Brewery of the Year. Well, Repeat cheers. winners. Nice. Second, Second time in a row. Second time in a row. Impressive. Which is, yeah, yeah which we is are, doubly are, impressive given thrilled. the way that you have Fantastic. to brew on other people's systems. So that's that's a real kudos to you. And, right. and a real kudos to our partners who we work with. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. their award as well. Yeah, right. so congratulations. It doesn't surprise me at all. The beer is fantastic. It's, it is. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I've, I've long been a, a fan and a, a promoter of, of your beer. You're, you're a, a little brewery that doesn't have a brewery, and so... That puts you has behind the eight ball. Have a brew pub. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, people need to try to track down some Rodenstadt, and it's it is it is around town, as we mentioned. You can find it in the grocery yep. stores, and you can find it in, in, in restaurants. So grocery stores, restaurants, bottle shops, obviously. Um, places like Belmont Station, Beer Mongers, John's Marketplace, mm -hmm. um, those mm -hmm. kind of places. The public yep. house, uh, don't work. at Gustav's in Bar Garden on the west side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then our friends at uh, John's Marketplace and John's East. Yeah, and our if you and if you want yeah. if you want a, like a, a good draft experience of all your beer, uh, Olympia Provisions, as we mentioned earlier, yeah. has a half a dozen, seven, seven, seven yeah. on nice. tap. So um, that's that's kind of where you can get the uh, the full if you right. want the, the full drinking experience and glassware and glassware. They <laughs> yeah. have the per perfect glassware, including the nice mugs, which yeah. is what they poured the Vienna Lager in, right. which is cool. Uh, so. Uh, we need to uh, go out here, but we can. Uh, we have we have a mailbag that we're going to outsource to our to our German friend. Good, uh, because our answers are amateurish and terrible. Yeah, I, I think I think Tobias is going to do a better one than this. We have a, a question from Jim in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one area that continues to confuse me. Are, do you want to read this? I've been doing all the talking. You read it. All right, continues uh, to confuse me are the small handful of German lager qualifying terms. <clears throat> Allow me to start a list. Keller, Zwickel, Landbier, Zeugel, uh, I don't even know this one, Naturtreb? Naturtrub. Naturtrub, thank you. Uh, some of these terms appear to be interchangeable in some contexts, Zwickel beer versus Keller beer, but not always, and all are related to lagers with a fresher presentation than standard styles with long, cold maturation. But when, uh, then I see Zwickel Pills and Amber Keller Beer and breweries making Zwickel Ales and Zwickel Houses, wink. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> what the hell are land beers if not exactly synonymous with Keller Beer? It's all very confusing. Uh, yeah, go. Yes, it is a little confusing. I may have to look at the list here. Um, and right on the front, yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. And uh, yes, some of them are to some extent interchangeable and some of them really are just uh, 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 qualifiers. For instance, Naturtrüb really just means that it's unfiltered, mm -hmm. okay. so it's hazy. 
Right. It's just like a, a a beer here would be described whatever it is. That's an IPA, hazy yeah. IPA. Yeah. Same thing. It really just describes that it's that, that it's hazy and not completely clear and filtered. So mm -hmm. that's you would expect something that's not completely clear. Uh, Zwickel versus Keller beer. Those are somewhat interchangeable. Mm -hmm. um, none of those have really good definitions that everybody agrees on. Um, so Zwickel beer is really Zwickel is the the valve on the tank. Uh, it's a name for that where you take a little sample off um, and the, the, sometimes people call them Zwickel beers because those are beers that are did not have a long maturation time or lagering time on them basically they're right. coming right when it's it's done fermenting can I go get it out of there yeah so also you would expect something that's a little more more more, more hazy mm -hmm. um, uh, Keller beer is somewhat similar to, uh, similar to Keller really just means cellar mm -hmm. um, to some extent it comes from the old tradition where people make their own beer and you make your batch of beer and you put it in a big carboy or whatever fermentation vessel you have and you stick it in the cellar where it's somewhat cool um, and you ferment it there and a lot of times they're what's then also called ungespundet. I was going to um, say there was another one in there. Right, there's another, I don't know if in there. Um, so <laughs> naturally of course it has some carbonation on it but if you unless you you close the vessel wherever you have your beer and up and let the carbonation, the pressure build up in there, right. there will only be a little carbonation in right. there. So that's ungespundet? Um, yeah, ungespundet. So ungespundet. Not right. close up, basically. Right. Um, so Keller beer usually has very low carbonation because traditionally, at least, it was really done open, more or less open fermentation, yeah. and it's, it retains whatever carbonation it can retain at that temperature. So a Keller beer usually has lower temp uh, carbonation in it. Then again, nowadays everybody uses the term calabria to describe who knows what. Um, that's not necessarily <laughs> what you could get, but traditionally, if you let's say you're in Franconia somewhere in Germany and you somebody actually offers you a calabria, you'd expect something that's probably a little hazy and probably very low carbonation. Yummy though, right? Um, what was that, the other thing? Landbier. Then, oh, Landbier. Landbier is completely. <laughs> up in the air and it's like, it means almost nothing other than literally means land beer yeah. uh, it, be, it would probably denote something that a small brewery makes somewhere in a small town or small village somewhere in Franconia Bavaria or with like local so, ingredients perhaps yeah or? probably local ingredients local okay. hops uh, very small production probably right. okay. um, might be a little rustic uh, if you will but it really means it really just means beer off the land yeah. Read into whatever you want to read into it. Right. <laughs> and Portlanders want to know Zeugel. Zeugel. Zeugel is, uh, that actually has some meaning in the sense that it has a tradition that's also from uh, the Franconia region in Bavaria, where it's basically used to be the case that there was a communal brew house, mm -hmm. and then a certain people had the right to brew. Mm -hmm. So um, it's to some extent, if you will, a little bit what we do in the sense that so if it was Zedelmeyer's turn to have the brew house that day they would make a batch of beer would take then their wort home to ferment in their keller in their cellar to make keller beer and then someone else's person is to turn to uh, to use the brew house and or it would be let's say one big batch of beer would be made and that would be split up into five ten however many different uh, uh, vessels and everybody takes the thing home and that tradition is called Zeugel and then a lot of times what, what, what that would mean that was either just for your own consumption or people would put out a star when their beer was ready they would right. put out a star at the door or hang out over the door outside the building saying hey our beer's ready if you want a beer come, come by <laughs> and somebody with sort of an ad hoc pub if you will um, they would then sell the beer to whoever wanted to have one and that was called and that's 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 the Zeugel tradition. It's very regional to Franconia. Yeah, yeah. There's like um, five villages where this still this happens. still right? happens now. Wow. It's obviously one of these things that sort of unfortunately died out, yeah. but it does. It's still around. Uh, there's actually uh, a similar things. At least in my region, where I grew up in in in, in Freiburg, uh, the region right around Freiburg, it's all wine growing region. Uh, and the equivalent to that is to some extent is what's called a Basenwirtschaft, mm -hmm. uh, where the little wineries, whenever they have the first wine, fresh wine basically that's ready, right. they would hang up, they would stick out a, a, a broom, kind of like, like a flag, <laughs> they would put a, in, in, like they would outside the door and that meant, oh, they have wine ready and you can go into the, the backyard basically and they would sell you a glass of wine or two. 
Yes. Um, it still it still happens today. That's cool. Um, that's, that's a normal thing. So no, it's, very sim- it's very similar to that. <laughs> yeah. you, you put your star out when you have your when the beer is ready. Uh, it's also not a style per se. Right. right. Uh, that beer, what you get served, that could be anything. Right. right. Uh, it could be an amber beer. It could be a pilsnerish like beer. It could yeah. be a dark, kind of like a darker lager. Who knows? Right. Whatever that person or that village decides to brew, basically. Yeah. All right, uh, our last piece of mailbag uh, actually answers a question from before. This is from Brian Borgmeier uh, at Timberline uh, up on Mount Hood. To answer the question about the Timberline slash Mount Hood Brewing Connection, we're all the same. Timberline Lodge is a federal asset, which is a company called RLK and Company, uh, which a company called RLK and Company has a lease to operate that covers the hotel, ski operations, dining, and all uh, intellectual property pertaining to Timberline. RLK also has some other businesses outside of Timberline, Mount Hood Brewing included. Ah. So all the benefits of a large company with resources, a small brewery with a lot of freedom and autonomy, and a captive audience up on the mountain. Pretty sweet gig. And that was uh, in reference to your visit to Timberline and drinking Mount Hood. Mount Hood beer. Uh, Mount Hood Brewing beer, which is what you get there. And they say our beer, and I didn't know what that meant, if that just meant that they have a a special relationship or if it actually was their beer now we know it's the same company that owns both I didn't know that I'm planning to head up tomorrow so I'll maybe have another one ah timely <laughs> timely, timely getting a lot of spring snow up there so it's time to go yeah. alright uh, we did not talk about the wind, the weather but my god it's been oh, terrible this has been a week <laughs> snow and hail and but there are like, April. like three or four feet of new snow up on the mountain yeah. so I'm, I'm gonna go check it out tomorrow <laughs> this has been a week for weather <laughs> alright well uh, Tobias and Nick it's been uh, a real pleasure thank you for having us here at uh, Rose's Dot um uh, the beer is fantastic. It really is. We uh, only got through a portion of it, so I'm excited to try the rest. We didn't uh, mention the, the Schwarz beer too much, but um, I'm I'm really loving it. It's uh, uh, yeah, that's true. We never really talked about it. We talked about the color, but it's got a really nice sort of uh, dark bread, sort of nutty malt, and it's got the classic Schwarz beer quality I like, which is it would satisfy in on a winter day mm-hmm. or a summer day. Right. It's yeah. Like it's got a it's got a switch hit both ways. If it gets too far that, in one direction, it's not a good Schwarz beer. In Right. No, I totally agree. A Schwartz beer is 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 a beer where yeah, it's it's it, it fulfills those dark kind of like the the beers you crave in the winter when it's dark and cold outside. Yet, it's super refreshing too. You can drink it on a summer day also, and it's yeah. great. <laughs> totally, very dry, nice, but a lot of malt yeah. character. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, a few words going out. Please subscribe to us on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to rate us. Five stars, please. I saw Sorry, you, I, I saw you drinking. I saw you drinking right when I was saying that. I knew you're gonna have problems. Uh, that helps other listeners find the show. We'd love to hear from you, so please send your questions or comments to Jeff at beervonablog.com or on Twitter at beervonapod. Jeff blogs at the Beervana blog, and he tweets at beervana. And Patrick tweets at uh, beeronomics, and he Instagrams. Instagrams is that is that the verb? Instagram. He grams. He grams at uh, at beervonapod. Yeah, so sort all right, of, kind of. Actually, there's a. I think I put a picture of Mount Hood brewing uh, beer, that's right, that's right. and I'll put a picture of some Rosenstock in there. That's right. We'll get some. We'll, we can go go visit because yeah. we'll have some uh, some of our session here. All, All right, right, guys. Time All to right. cheers. Very good. Yep. Cheers, guys. Prost. 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 That's a wrap.